Support for this program is provided by Chevron. This is Politico Energy. I'm Nirmal Malaikul. For weeks, gasoline prices have tormented consumers across the country, and on the Hill, both Republicans and Democrats are trying to assign blame. Democrats have largely blasted oil and gas companies, including at a House hearing last week with company executives. Big oil is lining their pockets with one hand and taking billions in taxpayer subsidies with the other. Meanwhile, the American people are getting ripped off as these companies choose to keep production low so that their own profits stay high. Meanwhile, Republicans have taken the opportunity to criticize the Biden administration, Democrats, and the party's climate policies. President Biden and the majority Democrats should accept responsibility. This is not the Putin price hike or the result of companies suddenly deciding to make money in 2022. This is the Biden price hike. But on both sides, there are lawmakers who are growing frustrated at the partisan rhetoric and see the need for some new energy policies that can manage the problem. But that's not as easy as it sounds, especially with the midterm elections looming. Today, Politico's Josh Siegel and I talk about why gas prices are actually high and what energy policies moderate lawmakers are pursuing. It's Monday, April 11th. So I talked to a number of Democrats and Republicans who are just getting frustrated with this finger pointing that really reached a crescendo last week as Democrats blasted executives of large oil and gas companies at this House Energy and Commerce Committee hearing where you had Republicans on one side saying high prices are entirely the fault of the Biden administration and its climate agenda, and on the left, really trying to pin blame on the oil and gas companies and saying they're more focused on profits. And so, yeah, some members who I spoke with on that very committee and others were saying that this hearing didn't really have much of a purpose and kind of deflects from a more nuanced reality of what's causing high prices. So as an example, Democrat Dean Phillips of Minnesota, he told me both of these perspectives are wrong. It's not binary, black or white. It's actually a reality that we're in a global marketplace. And a lot of this is a function of supply and demand and other factors. Right. So just break that down for me. No spin. What is actually contributing to high gasoline prices right now? Right. So one thing to remember is that these high prices, it precedes Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. We saw essentially a lot of this was a function of the pandemic where you saw a ton of supply, oil and gas output go offline because there wasn't demand for fuels. And then as pandemic restrictions eased, you saw people getting back into their cars, flying again, maybe at a faster clip than output could come back online. You know, other issues have kind of come up here that have prevented production, you know, from coming back at the pace you might expect. I mean, a lot of that has to do with labor, oil executives said, and analysts agree with. There's labor shortages, just like there are in all sorts of sectors. You know, and of course, there's this investor pressure on companies where in previous booms, there was too much drilling and the returns didn't really back that level of output up. So now you're seeing investors kind of say, hey, slow down, let's not get ahead of our skis. So yeah, there's a lot at play here that is contributing to high prices and you know inability for producers to kind of come in and, and save the day. 
Got it. So these moderate lawmakers you talk to, are they pushing any specific energy policies to combat high gasoline prices? It seems like there's no real easy answer, right? Yeah, not at all. I mean, a lot of these lawmakers are saying that there's not a lot that policy can do. And we know that Democrats, of course, especially in the House, as I've reported, they're really working on some sort of package that they can present as short-term relief for consumers. But as Congress just left for Easter recess, Democrats couldn't come to an agreement because none of these ideas are guaranteed to work. And in the short term, I don't know that there's a policy that's a silver bullet. And you're seeing that reflected in the fact that Democrats can't really come up with an answer. And then in the long term, of course, you know, as I recently reported, there's an effort among the Democrats in the Senate and the House to say, hey, can we revive reconciliation using this current moment? Can we do a grand bargain? While at the same time, getting these clean energy incentives, these tax credits that were a part of the Build Back Better in the long term, being less reliant on these fossil fuels. We'll see where that goes. I think that's going to be a big focus when Congress returns from their recess here in a couple of weeks. But, you know, know, there's not a Republican who's going to come to bat on that. So it's really entirely on the Democrats. So as much as I'm talking to lawmakers of both parties who are frustrated, we're not really seeing a coming together of the parties at all on policy. Yeah, I guess I'm just curious. I mean, what do you expect to happen now? The fact that these lawmakers are pursuing energy policies that cut through the partisan rhetoric, does that represent any real change or are we more likely to keep seeing and hearing spin? Well, I think you have to remember it is a midterm election year. So I think that dictates that you you'll see more hearings focused on big oil's role in all this. And the Senate Commerce Committee has confirmed to a colleague of mine, Matthew Choi, that they're going to try to get uh, some of these companies to, to come to a future hearing, these same very companies that just came before the House Energy and Commerce Committee. So clearly, the Democrats want to show that they're trying and that there's reasons that they say are beyond their control that are affecting the price of the pump. And yeah, on the Republican side, I mean, it's pretty clear they see inflation and high gasoline prices as a winning ticket to at least taking over the House. The Senate seems like more of a toss-up. But yeah, I mean, I think the short-term attraction of kind of continuing with these partisan talking points is too great to overcome and you know, to mean that moderates are going to win out here and see some come-together moment on policy. So yeah, I would, I would expect more of the same. Also, Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf's plan for the state to enter the regional greenhouse gas initiative hit legal troubles last week. The move, which would make Pennsylvania the first major fossil fuel producing state to join the carbon pricing program, was blocked by a lower state court, but the court did not explain its reasoning. The governor's office announced last week that it had appealed the lower court's injunction to the state's Supreme Court. Pennsylvania would have officially begun participating in the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative on July 1st, but it's now unclear if that litigation will delay the start date. Pennsylvania's move to join Reggie would help the state encourage clean forms of energy and limit the emissions from the energy sector. But critics say that Wolf went beyond his authority since the program will charge power sector polluters for their carbon emissions and only state legislators can levy a tax. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com slash morningenergy. 
Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Nirmal Malaykul, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Did you know that Chevron supports the ambitions of the Paris Agreement? In fact, they've even tied their executives' compensation to lowering the carbon emissions intensity of their operations. Because it's only human to help power a brighter future. Learn more at chevron.com slash lowercarbon.